hour two of the game. Good afternoon. Troy Coverdale flying solo this afternoon. We'll hear from Mitch Fortner in a little bit, live from Emporia. Not to fret, though, the man with the computer mind has exactly what we need to get ourselves ready for K-State matching up tonight with Oklahoma on the road. Believe it be that time. Here's Mitch Ball with tonight's prediction. Uh, Mitch Palm is back with another prediction. i got to be honest with you. I think Mitch Palm has been a little bit off lately. So I've tightened the screws, worked with the algorithm a little bit. We're going to try to get things on the money tonight as the Wildcats, number 12 in the country, did not move in this week's AP despite a one-in-one week. As they are now 19-6, and 7-5 and five in the Big 12. They're now a game and a half back. From Big 12, they'll be just a game back if tonight they can win at the Lloyd Noble Center and take down the Oklahoma Sooners. Porter Mosier's team is 12 and 13. The only program in the Big 12 with a losing record and 2 and 10 in Big 12 play. That is last place. Cats coming off that loss to Tech in Lubbock, 71-63. K-State has now lost four of their last five Big 12 games and four straight on the road. Meanwhile, Oklahoma, they're coming off a blowout loss to KU at home. Their uh, prized possession this year is beating number two Alabama, the team that's now number one in the country, 83-69 back on January 28th. But that's in between a seven-game losing streak in Big 12 play. The last five have been by double digits. The last conference win was a month ago today to West Virginia, 77-76. All right, let's just get it out there. The elephant in the room, turnovers. Storyline number one, and it's by far the biggest in this game. K-State coming off a 23 turnover game at Texas Tech and it led to 28 points off turnovers for the Red Raiders. That was the most turnovers by K-State this season. Right now, Marquise Noel is averaging six turnovers a game in the last four. It's a very bad number. And his seven plus Keontae Johnson's five added up to 12. Your two-star players coming up with just about half of the turnovers for that game is no bueno. Meanwhile, as a team, over the last four games, K-State is averaging 17 and a half turnovers, and that has led to an average of 21 points off turnovers per games. Both of those numbers, ugly. And I remember, like, was it the first week of the season, maybe right before the first game of the year against UT Rio Grande Valley, that Coach Tang said, he wants this team to average no more than 11 or 12 per game. I can't remember exactly what the number it was, but K-State has had less than 12 turnovers only three times this season. So trying to even out the turnovers, get the number lower, has been a big of a struggle for this team this year. Now, on the flip side for Oklahoma, turnovers, it's been a mess too. It's been a big mess. So they're coming off that loss I mentioned earlier, 78-55 to KU on Saturday. The Sooners turned it over a season-high 24 times. Everyone that played for the Sooners had at least one turnover, and that led to KU 27 points off turnovers. And right now in their last three games, Oklahoma is averaging 18 turnovers a game. And these are the two worst teams in the Big 12 in Big 12 play in turnovers and contests right around 15 a game. Now, here's the difference about K-State. Defensively, K-State does a pretty good job at forcing turnovers, trying to even things out. 
And right now, the Cats averaging 14.2 turnovers per game. And that's fourth in the Big 12. Not too bad at all. Meanwhile, for Oklahoma, a team that's not very athletic. They're probably the least athletic team in the Big 12. They struggle with forcing turnovers. They're not very good at it. They are last in the Big 12, forcing 9.7 turnovers per game in Big 12 play. And over the whole season, Oklahoma is 334th in the country. There's 352 teams in Division I college basketball at forcing turnovers at just slightly over 10 a game. Now, they did force KU into 16 last Saturday. That's the most they have forced in Big 12 play so far. All right, with turnovers out of the way, we can get to a couple more things. Second chance opportunities. Oklahoma, they're actually doing a pretty good job on the defensive glass, but they're worse in the Big 12 in grabbing offensive rebounds. Just seven per game, and that's nearly the worst in the country. Now, I will say one of the best rebounders is Tanner Groves. He's a 6'10 senior. He grabs about seven rebounds a game, scores about eight points a contest, does a very good job around the rim. The thing is, going back to the athleticism of Oklahoma, not very athletic. If you box him out, you're going to grab those rebounds and you're going to hold him to one and dones. And you're going to create more opportunities to score on the offensive side with second chance points. Also for Oklahoma, the leading scorer, and he's the 10th leading scorer in the Big 12. That is Nevada transfer, Grant Sherfield. He actually played at uh, Wichita State for a time as well. 6'2 guard, he's averaging 14 points a game, also two and a half assists a contest. He does turn it over about two and a half times a game. Now, I will say his three-point shooting has really dropped as the season has continued. Through non-con, very good, 42% from three, but in Big 12 play, just 32%. That has really dropped. Meanwhile, Oklahoma is a team just shooting 29% from three in Big 12 play. It's not an exciting number at all. But I tell you what, Sherfield can go off at times. His latest was, of course, against Alabama in that blowout win when he scored 30 points. He was lights out from the floor. And also uh, another sooner that does worry me a little bit is uh, Jalen Hill, who's also a forward like Tanner Groves. Uh, he's averaging about 11 and a half a game. He also does a good job of grabbing rebounds. Great uh, when it comes to boxing out, six rebounds a game. And he can be decent at times from three, but he's averaging just 30%. Uh, But he's very good inside. He is 60% from inside the arc. So he really wants to back you in, attack the hoop, use the baseline. He's very good at that. So watch out for that tonight with Jalen Hill. With the rest of the starting five, just a couple of freshmen. They're average, below average a little bit. But they were both top 100 recruits for Proto Mosier this last uh, recruiting class. And I will say, um, back to the three-point shooting, thought this was interesting. It's actually worse than I thought it was in Big 12 play for the team. Just twice in the last nine games for Oklahoma in Big 12 play have they made more than five threes a game. If you hold Oklahoma to five threes in this game, you're going to feel very good about the position you are in. Now, last thing about uh, Oklahoma is guarding the perimeter. I think Oklahoma does a really solid job at guarding the three. They have allowed just uh, 73s to be shot on them in Big 12 play. That is the lowest in Big 12 play, and teams are only scoring at a 35% clip. All right, my keys to this matchup. Turnovers, obviously. Can K-State clean it up? I think if they do a good job of limiting the turnovers, be smarter with the passing, obviously that's going to lead to more shots, more points, and I think more confidence and a lot more fun for this team. When this team is having fun, they're scoring, and it seems like they're unstoppable when they're doing the things that they enjoy the most, and that's the highlight plays. Can they get a couple of those tonight? I think they can. 
They also need to go all out on defense. I think they left a lot on the table, did K-State at Texas Tech, with not being aggressive enough with defense, leaving shooters too open. And their turnovers offensively leading into just uh, a real disadvantage defensively with Texas Tech in transition. It's really hard to stop, but K-State needs to attack. Be aggressive defensively and get hands and faces. Don't fly by the shooters when they shoot threes. They're not a good three-point shooting team. And then, of course, Keontae Johnson, Marquise Noel shooting the basketball have to show up. Both, I think, have to have great nights because they are the leaders of this team. If they have a great night, good chance K-State comes out with a win and everybody's having a great night after tonight. Ken Palm has K-State at a 54% chance of winning tonight, 71-69. Tightening the bolts on the algorithm a little bit. K-State with that struggle at Texas Tech. Yes, uh, the Red Raiders deep beat Texas, but they've struggled on the road. So I see this coming down as a close game. I'm giving K-State a 60% chance of winning in Oklahoma tonight. Just need to see them prove it. Prove it to me that they're going to be a better team. They're going to go back on a run, and it starts here tonight. My final score for K-State as they win 69-64. to And that is Mitch Palm. Let's go back to Troy Coverdale. Thank you very much, Mr. Computer. Oh, boy. I look forward to hearing what Mitch Palm has to say on Friday as the Cats get ready for the Iowa State matchup coming up that uh, Saturday afternoon at Bramlage. Don't forget, by the way, that that has been moved to a 1 o'clock tip-off on Saturday afternoon at Bramlage, and you'll have, of course, coverage right here on News Radio KMAN. As we move along in our number two, yes, we've got a number two song of the day on the way. And yes, let's get caught up with the Eric Bieniemy saga as we continue. That on the game. I think whatever whatever he has to do to, I mean, I guess try to prove even more, even though he's won two Super Bowls and been in the AFC Championship game with this offense being top in the league for the last five, six years, um, that, that he deserves an NFL head coaching job. But whatever he makes that decision and whatever he does, I support him, man. I support the man that he is. And um, if he has to go somewhere else and prove himself even more to get that head coaching chance, uh, then I'll support him that way. But if he's back here with us, I'll be happy as, I, happy as I've always am. So uh, he's a great person, man, that's deserved to be a head coach. And I can't wait for him to get his opportunity to show why it's been way past deserved. Patrick Mahomes last night on Freddie and Fitzsimmons on ESPN Radio commenting about Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator for the Chiefs, and that controversy is once again swirling. Just why isn't EB getting an opportunity at being a head coach? And the ascriptions to it being racism are once again right at the center of it. And to me, there are so many layers to the onion in this story. When you look at past history, and it, I, I just think it's easy to boil this down to a binary fight. Well, it's his past. No, not necessarily. Well, it's racism. No, not necessarily. There is something there, and I, I can't put my finger on it. But that's why I'm also not an NFL front office person. Lindsey Jones, who writes for The Athletic, pointed out earlier today that 11 months ago, Andy Reid stood up at a NFL owners' meetings privilege session passionately and directly asking league owners why EB had not gotten a head coaching job. 
She did not detail what his what the responses were, though. 17 head coaching vacancies that he has interviewed with, with 16 teams since 2019. The gist today is that the enemy is likely looking at the offensive coordinator post with the Washington Commanders under Ron Rivera, that he may have to make a sideways move to make a forward one. That's not necessarily a wrong way to look at it at this point, but how much of a sideways move would it be for the enemy to make that move to a franchise where ownership is in flux We're not sure exactly what's going to play out with the commanders over time because the pressure is on for Dan Snyder to sell the franchise. There seems to be a bit of upheaval that may not make that a good move, at least in my estimation. That sideways move sometimes isn't quite sideways. But it speaks to the frustration level at this point. I think that the enemy faces and the utter disappointment and frustration that is out there for him. Disappointing as it may be, I will say this. It at least is allowing for furtherance of the discussion. Whether or not we boil it down to being so simple as it being about race or his rap sheet, I think that there's, again, more behind the scenes that we aren't privy to. I, I, it's amazing. 17 head coaching vacancies that he has interviewed for and has not gotten a a head coaching job. Wow. Mitch tells me we may be looking at an early start, so why don't we start moving a little bit here towards a number two song of the day. The game continuing. First single released in the United States by Culture Club. Appropriate on Valentine's Day, a song of unrequited love. It hit number two three weeks in March of 1983, kept from the number one spot by... What do you think, Mitch? 
Oh, gosh. Um, see, I've done enough studying of these billboard charts and who went number one and when and for how long. God, I don't know. I Let's go with... Um, I don't even have an educated guess. Let's go with Huey Lewis in the news. <laughs> Billy Jean. Oh. Kept it from number one in America. Makes sense. First major success, as we noted, it was their first single released in the United States. An unlikely hit for the band. Crossing over to adult contemporary radio. MTV, whose library was mostly British bands when they launched, had acclimated the U.S. audience to guys in makeup, so it wasn't so shocking to see Boy George. It was an authentic look, by the way. He'd been wearing makeup and women's clothes since his school days, and while he exaggerated it for publicity, it was his preferred style. What year did you say this was? It was released in late 1982, December 1982, and oh, okay. reached number two in March of 83. So my Huey Lewis in the News guest is probably a few years too early. Quite very well. In 2007, uh, Boy George noted that the song was not just about Culture Club's drummer, John Moss, who was his boyfriend at the time, but that it was about all the guys that he dated at that time in his life. So all about unrequited love. Of course, there's the version of it in The Wedding Singer. <laughs> exactly. That's, 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 that's how where, I know this song. I was going to say, that's where I triggered your laughter. <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> Completely changed the tone of the uh, of the of the wedding dances. Absolutely did. Getting, George getting booed off the stage. It's amazing. It's his only song. The band came up with the soft reggae beat, putting the song together when they found they had some spare studio time during a recording session for a show on BBC Radio One. Their bass player Mikey Craig brought that. Caribbean influence to the band's sound. In the book 1000 UK Number Ones, Boy George noted that it's probably the only proper song we've got with proper chord sequences and keyboard changes in it. It's just very musical. His own comment about it. <laughs> Number two in March and April, briefly, of 1983. Boy George and Culture Club, do you really want to hurt me? That's our number two song of the day. Mitch, what's our uh, time check looking like here as you get ready for high school hoops tonight? So we only have 23 seconds left on the JV clock, so we're going to be getting to pregame most likely early. Manhattan just took a timeout. Um, so it, it's hard to tell right now when they end up deciding to start the clock, but I would imagine they're going to be trying to aim for right around a 6 o'clock tip-off for the girls' game. Okay, so we're not all that far off from getting ourselves up and running for that. Thank you, sir. That intriguing matchup tonight on the girls' side. Of course, Manhattan picked off the two-overtime upset of Emporia earlier in the year, dealing them their first loss of the season. And so you know that the Spartans are hungry to gain that win tonight. 
Yeah, there's no doubt about that. That was the shocker of the year probably in the state of Kansas. A Manhattan team beating Emporia, who was at the time undefeated, number one in Class 5A. Emporia's now number six in 5A with the latest rankings that came out today, but they're now a 14-3 team. They're obviously going to be one of the favorites to make it to the state tournament later on. Uh, coming up next month, really. We're going to be getting close to that here in a few weeks. State tournaments will be here before we know it. Right. But, uh, and you know, Carolyn Dorsey's a very good coach. She's in her 10th year. That's going to be a really tough battle because I just found out Emporia just recently lost a couple of their uh, players. A starter is now out for the year, and the uh, number one and number two player off the bench is out for a year. So a uh, little drama heading into tonight's matchup that will be tipping off here as the uh, JV game is wrapping up in three seconds. And, of course, the Manhattan boys game. That was uh, one of the lowest-scoring games of the year for Manhattan a few weeks ago. And losing to Emporia 41-39, it was an ugly day for Manhattan offensively. Defensively, played very well. But the Emporia boys are also very good. That's another team that's going to try to make its way into uh, their state tournament coming up in a few weeks. And the uh, fun of state just around the corner. In fact, uh, noting tonight begins a stretch here where it's three games in ten days. Actually, three and eight yeah. when you consider. Right, yeah, because today, a week from today is when the regular season will wrap up, and then they'll basically have a week off, maybe like a week and a day off, uh, depending on which team you're talking about. Um, and then it's Substate. And Manhattan girls, you know, their their shot of making it to uh, to host a substate game, like it, it's still a possibility, but it's it's probably not likely, just because they would had need a ton of help. So Manhattan girls will most likely be on the road for their entire substate run. And the twenty sec, uh, the twenty minutes have started here, Troy. So we'll begin pregame at five fifty. And for the Manhattan boys, they're right now the nine seed. They need to get to the eight seed to host a sub-state game. So a lot riding on tonight for the Manhattan boys, especially in the uh, Centennial League standings. Manhattan can still win the Centennial League on the boys' side. They'll obviously need to win tonight. That tells you also, though, how up and down the Centennial League has been on the boys' side. It's been a pretty good race. And it's wild because it is a round robin. Six teams now in the league, and nobody has the same uh, league record. Um, Let me get my uh, boys chart out here because i have the league standings as manhattan uh like i said has it still a chance to win they're in third place on the boys side they're four and three emporia is in second place at five and two and washburn rule at six and one their only loss was to manhattan and manhattan still plays washburn rule in uh, in the little apple coming up on friday so with maybe a little bit of help from another team to beat Washburn Rule. Manhattan gets it done on Friday. You're talking about the Tribe having a great shot of winning the Centennial League. Very good. Mitch, we'll catch up to you in about uh, nine minutes or so as we get high school basketball on the way tonight here at News Radio KMAN. Let's roll through once again what the uh, coverage then looks like for tonight as uh, we've got the high school games coming up for you. The girls to tip off here at the top of the hour as Manhattan and Emporia tangle tonight in Emporia. Over on 101.5 K Rock, we'll have coverage of K State basketball beginning at 7 o'clock. The tip off from Norman, Oklahoma 
Oklahoma is just after 8 as K-State tries to end a four-game road slide in Big 12 Conference action, matching up tonight with the Oklahoma Sooners at the Lloyd Noble Center. 8 o'clock again, the tip-off. Coverage on 101.5 K-Rock begins at 7. We'll join the K-State broadcast in progress following our coverage of Manhattan High Boys Basketball. Back tomorrow, Mitch and I will be with you for the game starting at 4 tomorrow afternoon here at News Radio KMAN.